You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. God bless you for being here. Okay, we're going to try something new. We might never do this again. So, have fun with it now, because we'll see if it works or not. I am going to allow you to have some Bible study time tonight. I am not going to spoon feed you. I am not going to give you a fish. I'm going to try to teach you how to fish. So that the next time you read this passage, it really sticks with you, okay? In order to do that, I am going to allow you in the next two minutes to choose a team of five, no more than five, that when it comes time for this Bible study time, I mean, those are the four that you want with you to help get the right answer. Because I I don't care What team you're on, I don't care how many teams of five we have, but whatever team of five answers correctly first, yes, correctly first, we'll get Courtyard Coffee $3 coupons, okay? So next two minutes, move and sit with one another. We need music. You have to fight over five because that's all I got. Sure. Why don't you split up into your uh, into your search teams? <laughs> okay. Girls versus guys. There we go. Girls versus guys. That's fine. Okay. Getting excited. I like it. That's good. It's good to have spirit in church. All right. We have 30 seconds left. You know, we'll stop it at the end of the song. Okay. Now calm down, you crazy Baptists, okay? I know that whenever we change something up, you tend to get a little out of sorts, all right? So let's focus in. Deep breath, deep breath, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Okay. You will know when it's time to study. Now, it's, it's going to start with tonight. And I think I'm going to give you the first passage to kind of show you what what I'm thinking. And we'll get there in just a little bit. There are three different passages that we're going to go to. That first passage, I'm going to give you what I'm looking for. And then 
Passage number two and passage number three are when you are going to have an opportunity as your team to study through and let me know what you think God is intending when he is, when he is teaching it. But then that's only going to get us through the first part of the message. You then have throughout the rest of the week as individuals, you can text each other, you can get in touch with each other. You then as individuals can get in touch with each other throughout the rest of the week so that by the time, Lord willing, we come back next Sunday night and I give you the answer that I have come to in my study, we see how close we are. Okay? Now, I'm not saying if your answer is different that you're wrong and I'm right. I think if you study out, you will see what's going on here. It's another principle for the family and the home. And here's another thing that I'm gonna, that's going to frustrate you. I'm not going to give you the principle until next week. Okay? So I, I will give you, I'll give you the bones of it. Okay? It's let blank be your blank. So throughout the week, you can think what words might fit into that, okay? But let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we will begin there. What's happening in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7? Sermon on the... Very good, okay? So what we are going to read to begin is the key portion... Basically, the introductory thesis statement of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The statement that he makes that we have to understand in order to see what he is trying to teach throughout his entire Sermon on the Mount. That is what we are going to read. Even though that's not what I'm going to be preaching from, it is very important for us to understand and have in the back of our mind. And you are going to find this statement in verses... 17 through 20, 20 being the key statement, okay? So let's start in verse 17. Jesus says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Very important because throughout a very big portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's going to say something like this. Ye have heard it said of old time, Thou shalt not kill. That's the law, isn't it? It's one of the Ten Commandments. But I say unto you. Now, don't, mis don't misunderstand me, Jesus is saying. I'm not here to destroy the law. I'm not here to say the law says this, forget about it. Listen to what I have to say. I'm not destroying it, I'm fulfilling it. Let's keep reading, verse 18. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Wherefore, or I'm sorry, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, Big, big idea, big statement, key statement for us to understand the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Scribes and Pharisees were the religious elite, the ones that they're supposed to be following, you would think. They're, they're religious examples. And Jesus comes along and says, 
if you don't not only do what they do, but far exceed what they are doing, you are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to be a disciple. And that is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. What does it take to be a disciple? What does it take to be a child of God? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But what does it take to be a disciple? Well, can we put it this way? What does it take to be a Christian? Because not everybody that's saved is a Christian. Not everybody that's a believer is a disciple. A disciple requires discipline. A disciple is going to go to the next level. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And part of the Sermon on the Mount that he's going to talk about is what does a disciple do when a disciple has been done wrong? How does a disciple react when somebody takes advantage of you? How does a disciple react when somebody insults you? How does a a disciple react when somebody publicly embarrasses you? Now, the scribes and the Pharisees will tell you to do one thing. But I say unto you, this is how a disciple will respond. And that's what we're going to talk about. Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching and the study of your word. And bless it for Christ's sake. Let us be changed through it because of it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, this is going to be a lot of explanation. And throughout the rest of the week, it's going to be a lot of study Next week is going to be illustration and application, okay? But let's talk about the Sermon on the Mount for just a little bit. The Sermon on the Mount is filled with principles. A principle is different than just a lesson, okay? Far more, a a lesson says, do this in this situation. A principle says, think this. In all situations. Far more than Jesus is saying, thou shalt not kill. And far more than Jesus is saying, thou shalt not commit adultery. He must be saying more than that. If that's all that he was saying, then his teaching was no different than the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees taught thou shalt not kill. And thou shalt not commit adultery. And according to Jesus' own words in verse 20, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, Jesus was saying more than when you are presented with the opportunity to commit adultery, don't do it. He was saying more than that. Are we following? He was saying more than when you are presented with the opportunity to kill somebody, don't do it. He's saying more than that. That teaching is only applicable to two, hopefully infrequent situations in your life. I've I've been around people a long time. I I don't remember the last time I was presented with the opportunity to kill somebody. I was presented with the desire, but not the opportunity. So Jesus is saying more than when you have the opportunity to kill somebody, just don't do it. He's saying more than that. Jesus goes beyond addressing what we do. And he reaches into what we think. Now see that in verse 21. 
Ye have heard that it was said by them. Who's them? The scribes and the Pharisees. Let's put our cell phones off, please. You have heard that it was said by them, the scribes and the Pharisees of old time. And what did the scribes and the Pharisees tell you? Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Rakash, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Look in verse 27 and 28 for another example. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now follow along. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was found in their belief that sin was committed by the actions of the hands. Therefore, as long as you avoid committing the action of the hands, you have not sinned. You will be righteous. Jesus taught sin is not committed by the actions of the hands. Sin is committed by the notions of the heart that lead to the actions of the hands. By the time somebody does something, it's already been in here for a very long time. And that is what God is concerned with, not with this. True righteousness is found within, not just without. Now that principle right there takes the lesson of thou shalt not kill and applies a, a different thinking. It applies a different culture. Thou shalt not kill is just applied to one certain situation. When you have the opportunity to kill somebody, don't do it. Jesus goes beyond that. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Hey, if you're presented with the opportunity to commit adultery, don't do it. That is a one-off reaction to a one-off situation. But when Jesus says, don't even think about it, don't even get angry, he is then taking a principle that applies to every area of your life. You need to understand that God is not impressed by the actions of your hands. He is concerned with the notions of your heart. And that is why at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says the common people heard him gladly because he taught as one that had authority and not as the scribes. The scribes taught, do this and you'll be right with God. Jesus taught, no, 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 you need to go much deeper than that. It's not about what you do, it's about what you think. And what he, what he brings out is that the scribes and the Pharisees were so focused on the actions of their hands that they neglected the notions of the heart, and in doing so, they completely missed the true lessons that God was intending to teach by giving his law. So Jesus begins his ministry with the Sermon on the Mount by making a very clear statement. My followers will be different. My disciples will be different. Let the religious people of the world find comfort in never committing adultery. My followers will exceed that and never even think about committing adultery because that is what God originally intended when he said thou shalt not commit adultery 
What's the point of never acting upon it when you're thinking upon it the entire time? Let the religious people of the world find comfort in never committing murder. My followers will exceed that and never even let the anger that leads to murder come into their heart because that is what God was truly intending when he said, thou shalt not kill. So now, notice the verses that we're going to focus on over the next two weeks, okay? Verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now, I have a question for you. Does the Bible say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? It certainly does. It says it in three separate places. It says it in Exodus chapter 21. It says it in Leviticus chapter 24. And it says it in Deuteronomy 19. Eye for eye tooth for tooth. But here Jesus says, resist not evil. That's what I say unto you. Now here's my question to you. And this isn't a question for your team just yet. Here's my question to all of you. How can Jesus say that without destroying the law? How can Jesus say something that seems completely opposite of what the law says without destroying the law. Because the law says, and let's, let's, okay, let's say it this way. The law seems to say when somebody does something to you, they deserve to have the same done back to them. Do we agree? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But Jesus says, when somebody does something evil to you, let it happen. And in fact, let them do more. How can Jesus say that in Matthew 38 through 41, and yet also say in verse 17, I'm not come to destroy the law, I'm come to fulfill the law. How is that possible? Now, I will tell you this, it has taken me a month to write this message. Because I struggled with that. I can see how Jesus says, don't even think about adultery. I can see how that is fulfilling the law. I can see, don't even be angry in your heart. Don't lose your temper. I can see how that is fulfilling the law. I struggled with this one. How can resist not evil and eye for eye and tooth for tooth exist in the same universe? And beyond existing next to each other, how can resist not evil be a fulfilling of eye for eye and tooth for tooth. What does Jesus mean by resist not evil? When somebody is robbing my house, don't defend myself? When somebody brings a gun out and starts shooting at me, give them a clear target. I, uh, resist not evil. Somebody sm smacks you, let him smack you and turn the other cheek. 
What does God mean by that? What does Jesus mean by that? Does he mean defunding the police? This leads, well, we, no, but why not? Why not? Resist, not evil. Isn't that what the police do? Does resist, not evil mean disbanding the military? No, because doesn't the Bible say there's a time for war? So what does resist not evil mean? When somebody is attacking my family, don't resist them? What does Jesus mean? What is the principle that he is trying to teach? Now, before we can answer that question, we have to go back and we have to understand what God truly intended when he first said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Now, Jesus has already made it clear. The scribes and the Pharisees are not pleasing God in spite of all that they are doing because they are misunderstanding God's true intentions of the law. The scribes and Pharisees would have been very proud to say, I've never committed adultery. And yet God was not pleased with them. And Jesus exposes the fact, yeah, you've never done it with your hands, but it's all in here. I've never killed somebody. No, you've never done it with your hands, but the notion is in there. You are whited sepulchers. Inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Jesus has made it very clear. God is not impressed. The law was given not just to address the actions of the hands, but to address the notions of the heart. So then we must also understand that when God said originally, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, he wasn't just talking about the actions of the hands. He wasn't just saying when somebody hurts your eye, hurt their eye back. He wasn't just saying when somebody cuts off your foot, cut off theirs. He was saying more than do this in this one-off situation. In some way, he was saying think this in all situations. Now, we have to keep that in mind when we go back to these three passages in Scripture where God first gives this law. So first, let's go to Exodus chapter 21. And I am going to give you what the Lord is teaching in Exodus 21 to kind of give you a head start. But by the time we get to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, that's where your teams come into play. Exodus chapter 21. This is the first mention of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. What did God intend by saying that? All we know is that the scribes and the Pharisees have twisted it in some way. All that we know is that what they are being taught, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, means during the Sermon on the Mount is a way that God never intended. That's what we know. So we need to go back and figure out what God intended. Look in Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. We're going to read through verse 25. So just take a deep breath. Settle in. He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. He's talking about cities of refuge there. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now time out. Just look in verse 17 right there. 
If somebody curses their father and mother, he deserves to die. And yet, at the end, it's going to say eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Now, it's, that seems a little excessive, doesn't it? I only cursed my father and you're going to kill me? But wait, what did Jesus say was God's original intention with thou shalt not kill? I'm talking about hatred here. So if you hate your father and mother enough to curse them, you've already committed murder in your mind. You deserve to die. Verse 18. And if men strive together and one smite another with a stone or with his fist, and he die not, but keepeth his bed, if he rise again and walk abroad about uh, upon his staff, then shall he that smoke him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with the rod and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if the servant continue a day or two, he shall not be punished for he is his money. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. What is God intending here? What God is saying in this first mention of eye for eye and tooth for tooth, God is drawing a line of justice in a very unjust world. The world that Israel is living in right now is a world filled with injustice and filled with violence. So in Exodus chapter 21, in portions of this passage, God teaches that when a person's actions lead to this result, this is his punishment. In other words, there are certain actions where justice requires punishment. But then there are other portions of this passage where he says, if this person's actions lead to this result, there is no punishment. In other words, there are certain actions that justice does not allow punishment. Now, we're really going to have to follow here. This world that they're living in is unjust, violent. And here comes God, a very just God, to teach a very unjust world. There are certain actions that require punishment, but there are also certain actions in this world that you will want to punish and you will want to punish severely, but justice does not allow punishment in those situations. By saying eye for eye and tooth for tooth, God was drawing a line of justice in a very unjust world. That is what Exodus chapter 21 teaches us. Now, Exodus 21 not only shows us that there is a line in God's mind, there is a line between justice and injustice. It not only shows us that there is a line, but I'm going to give your teams a hint. Are you ready? It also teaches us where to draw the line. And that is really where the statement eye for eye, tooth for tooth comes in. Now, when you look in Leviticus chapter 24, it says much of what Exodus chapter 21 teaches. There is a line in God's mind between justice and injustice. 
What I want you to do as a team is read Leviticus 24, 17 through 22. And I want you to tell me, where is God teaching you to draw a line? There is a line between justice and injustice. What is God teaching you by saying eye for eye and tooth for tooth about where that line is to be drawn? Does anybody have a question about my question? Twenty-seven. Oh, I'm sorry, 24, 17 through 22. I want you to tell me, I want your team, if, if your team doesn't know, then don't splurt it out. But the first team that gets it right gets gift cards. You tell me, what does God mean by saying eye for eye, tooth for tooth? What is he trying to teach us of where to draw that line of justice? Okay, go ahead. Jeopardy music, please. Choose a spokesperson for your study group, and once you have an answer, just raise your hand. Once you have an answer, raise your hand. studying the Bible in church. It's wonderful. What does eye for eye, tooth for tooth mean? Where are we drawing this line? We know that there's a line between justice and injustice. Where do we draw that line? Okay. We're going to go to our first team that was so confident. So I think we have Brother John, Miss Annalisa. Wonderful to see you, Miss Annalisa. Praying for you. Miss Christine, Brother Eduardo, and Brother Ben. 
What is your answer? What is God saying? What, what is he intending when he says eye for eye, tooth for tooth? We know Exodus 21 says that there is a line. Where do we draw that line? Um, proportionate punishment, whatever the crime is needs to meet the, or the, whatever the crime is, the punishment needs to meet it, not be retaliation and excess. I'm gonna get back first then. You have that part. <laughs> very, very, very good. All right. How many of you came to the same answer? Came to the same answer. Very good. You could have gotten coffee had you been quicker. Listen. Did anybody see something different? Anybody see something different? Anybody want to add something to that, Brother Lewis? Very good. Very good. Yes. Make sure that you are not taking advantage of somebody just because of their situation. They don't have citizenship, so we're going to treat you differently. No. This is all the way across the board. The line of justice needs to be drawn in the same spot for everybody. Because, again, they're growing up in a world where that's not the case. If you are a Roman citizen, even in, even in New Testament times, we'll treat you one way. But if you are not, we're going to treat you another way. Okay? Did anybody come up with something, something different? Let's, let's, yes, sir. Well, we also saw in addition to, like, the peace for peace, you know, restoring the one who lost, whoever killed the peace, then we got a beast restored to it. Right, right. Okay. So you cost that man a beast. It's going to cost you a beast. Okay, let's read it all together. Verse 17 through 22. He that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. He that killeth a beast shall make it good, beast for beast. And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done, so, at, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And he that killeth a beast, he shall restore it. He that killeth a man, he shall be put to death. You shall have one manner of law as well for the stranger as for one of your own country, for I am the Lord your God. Here's what he's saying. There is a line. There is a line between justice and injustice. Crime must be punished. That is understood, correct? If a crime isn't punished, criminals run free. America. If crime isn't punished... Criminals run free, but if crime is punished excessively, if crime is punished beyond what the criminal deserves, the punishers are no better than the criminals. So Exodus 21 teaches us an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth was first given by God to establish a line between, it, between justice and injustice in a very unjust world. Leviticus 24 teaches us that line of justice must be drawn by what is fair. Because when something unjust or violent is done to us, our natural reaction is to respond with an escalated level of injustice and violence. This is perfectly illustrated with the two boys on the playground at school. There's Johnny and Benjamin. <laughs> and Benjamin tells Johnny, you're fat. 
Now, Johnny can't look back and say, well, 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 you're fat too. That's a lame comeback. You've got to come back a little harder. So Benjamin insulted Johnny. Johnny is going to insult Benjamin's mom. That's natural. Well, your mom's so fat, she stepped on a quarter, and a booger came out of George Washington's nose. Now, Ben can't stand that, so then Ben is going to... So Johnny gets pushed, and now he's not just going to push back. Now Johnny, poof. And so then Ben, poof. And there's an escalation. Something that started with your fat has now ended with two boys in the emergency room. Let's think of the world back then. Let's think of the world that they, that they grew up in. You have these two brothers called Simeon and Levi. And one day, their sister goes to a city called Shechem. And one of the boys of Shechem falls in lust with their sister and has, relate, has a relationship with her. So then... Simeon and Levi take that as an affront, take that as an attack against their family. And in order to get them back, Simeon and Levi slaughter all of the men in the city. And their justification was, shall they deal with our sister as with an harlot? This was the time where if somebody, boom, knocked out a tooth, you'd grab a log and and make sure that they never think about doing that again. The phrase eye for eye, tooth for tooth was given by God to combat humanity's nature to overreact when somebody has done you wrong. God said, my people will not do that. There are certain actions where justice requires punishment but that punishment must not cross what is deserved. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Because if you ever cross that line, you haven't established justice, you've destroyed justice, and you are just as unjust as the original criminal. Now, Deuteronomy will teach us one last lesson that God intended when he taught eye for eye, Tooth for tooth. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Now, here is a little bit of a hint, okay? I'm going to read verse 1 for you. Deuteronomy 19, verse 1. Let's get the context here. God is going to set up who he's talking to and what time period that he's talking about. Follow along with me and you'll see, you'll see what I mean. Deuteronomy 19 verse 1. When the Lord thy God have cut off the nations, whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them and dwellest in their cities and in their houses. Stop. When is Deuteronomy being written? Deuteronomy is written before... Israel ever even goes into the promised land. This is the new generation that has survived through the 40-year wilderness. This is the next generation that has come up. And the law is being given the second time. Second, do, okay, Deuteronomy law. Second law. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. 
So at this point, Israel is not even in the promised land, but God says, what I'm about to teach you is for when you get into the promised land and you succeed the nations and God sets you up as a kingdom, okay? Or as, as a nation. Now, when Exodus and Leviticus were written, justice was the exception. Injustice was the rule. But now God is saying, what I'm about to tell you should be when injustice is the exception and justice is the rule. This should be when you as a nation have established justice. I should no longer be talking to a bunch of people who are living in an unjust world. If I'm talking to people at that point who are living in an unjust world, you have not done your job as my people. Okay? You read verse 8 through 21. It's a long one. You know what? You know what? We'll, we'll, okay. I'll tell you this. You can read verse... Now, read verse 8 through 21. Yeah. 8 through 21. Lest you say, I didn't give you enough information. And you tell me... Okay, so Exodus 21 taught us there is a line. Leviticus 24 said, the line is drawn on fairness. Now I want you to answer the question... Who is God speaking to when he says it? Who is God speaking to when he says eye for eye, tooth for tooth? And it's kind of a trick question, but if I give you more, if I give you more information, I'm just going to totally give it away. So read through it. What scenario is God talking about when he says eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Who is he talking to? Okay, cue the music. This is a tougher one, guys. I, I got to tell you. And this is a tougher one. Or compromise, we will not last. We're set apart from the world and its ways. I gave up that old life the day I was saved. I'll take the old time way. There's not one thing What is the question again? When God says eye for eye, tooth for tooth, who is he, who is he speaking to? In, in what scenarios does that apply? That, that's my question. In what scenarios does eye for eye and tooth for tooth apply? Think you got it? Okay. Were you first? For now is the time, and this is the place to stand here as one and boldly proclaim. Two minutes. I'll take the old time way. There's not one thing I change. I've come this far with him, and with him I'll go all the way. 
One minute. So we must stand strong. We must stand firm. Watching and waiting for our Lord's return. I've made up my mind until that day. Until that day. I'll take the old time way. There's not one thing. Okay, teen girls, you're going first. This is a tougher one, and I hope you don't get mad at me because I don't know that I phrased the question in a way that really pointed you in the right direction, but we will have to see. What is Deuteronomy teaching us about eye for eye, tooth for tooth? When does that apply? What was that originally given for? Who is he talking to? Very interesting. You're correct, okay? Hang on, but we need a little bit more information. So he's talking to the judges. Do you want to give me any more information on judges and what judges do and who judges rule over? Like. Huh? Not what I'm looking for. Not what I'm looking for. No, 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 no. I might give you half credit on that one. Miss Amanda, your team was next. <laughs> so they say the judges. It's, it's being told to the judges. Uh-huh. Okay. Brother Haven. Okay. You are along the right, you're along the right lines. When, when do judges and witnesses... When are they? When are they called upon? Uh, okay. All right. So here's. All right. I'm just going to tell you what it is, and if you if you kick yourself and say, "Oh yeah, we could have known that based on the description that you gave us," then you get nothing. But if you say, if you say like, "Oh man, we never could have gotten that," then I might have mercy. Okay. I don't know if I could give give another give another hint. So I think you were next, then we'll come to you. Yep. Are you asking who does this eye for eye tooth applies to in this situation? Because sure. It applies, it applies to the person who is trying to falsify or report against somebody. And they said, oh, I got you. I got you. Right, right. That is that is being brought that is being brought out. But you need to look at it broader. You need to look at it broader. You're looking very specific at, at, at certain situations. You need to look at it broader. It's, it's more plain. Yes, ma'am. Well, what we were discussing was that the eye for eye, tooth for tooth, was for the Israelites before they entered the promised land when, when it was basically wild west to curb the injustice, right? And then after they enter Canaan and they're settled, then they have the cities of refuge and it allows time to even have, I guess, more justice, where they have time for a trial and they don't get caught by someone and executed. Anymore. Are they a manslayer or are they a murderer? They right. can determine the intent. 
You, you guys are, you all are saying the answer without realizing that you're saying the answer, okay? Look, and you'll, you'll see what I mean. Yes, Brother Corbin. <laughs> Talk to her. Yeah. I, I see. I see where you're going, and it's the wrong answer. So we'll just stop you there. <laughs> yeah, brother Landon. It was kind of a two-part thing, and I'll help you out. So the other part was that it's, it's when someone's actually on trial, so it's not. A right, 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 right. It's when somebody is on trial, right? When somebody is on trial. Okay, look, 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 look. Okay, all right. Let's let's. You, you guys have already you guys have already read it. So no, 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 no. You've had your chance. Okay. But listen, listen, listen. Maybe this is what maybe this is what the invitation is going to be because I, I don't know how far I'm going to get as far as the explanation is concerned. I'm either going to explain to you what we're going to do next week or I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger. But here, here is definitely what part of the invitation is going to be. Do you see how exciting it can be to talk about God's word one with another? It should, it should not be in a forced environment. It, you, should, you should, the Lord told you, you need to talk about this with your children as you walk by the way and when you rise up and when you go to sleep. This is an incredible book. And when you read into something, I don't know exactly what that means. Let's talk about it. It can be really, really exciting, okay? Now, be careful. There's a bunch of yahoos and quacks out there that are going to tell you the wrong thing. So make sure, but be, be a Berean and study daily to see whether or not the things that you're hearing from this thing is so, okay? But Exodus teaches us this. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth is God drawing a line of justice in an unjust world. There are actions that require punishment. Leviticus teaches us that eye for eye, tooth for tooth is a line drawn by fairness. When punishment is required, do not go further than what is deserved. It was a very merciful and limiting law in a very unmerciful and unhinged world. Deuteronomy teaches us eye for eye and tooth for tooth was a line drawn for the government, for the governmental leaders of the entire nation of Israel to establish national justice. Who is he talking to? Where does this apply? This applies in national matters. This applies to when the judges need to step in. When somebody is on trial, this is where this applies. When somebody commits, and he goes in to talk about it, when somebody commits the injustice of murder in your nation, that person deserves to be put to death. When somebody commits the injustice of theft by moving a landmark... That person who, whatever amount of land he tried to steal, he needs to give back. And when somebody commits the injustice of lying, where there is a false witness, whatever punishment he was seeking to inflict through his false witness must be inflicted upon him. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, and notice in the end of verse 19, so shalt thou put away the evil from among you. 
And those which remain shall hear and shall fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. Thine eyes shall not pity life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. I think in order to explain this, I'm going to need to go a little further than I'd like to, but it's fine. In establishing this as their nation's line of justice, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, they would keep injustice out of their nation in three different ways. First of all, by punishing the criminals who committed the crime. Second of all, they would combat injustice by committing no injustice of their own in their punishment of the crime because you're punishing them fairly. Thirdly, you're going to combat injustice in your nation because anybody else who sees that punishment is going to think twice before they do it themselves. I saw somebody else commit false, bear false witness against somebody and they lost all that. I ain't going to do that. I saw somebody commit murder and they were put to death. I'm not going to do that. I saw somebody try to move property lines and the amount of acreage that they thought to steal from their neighbor, the, the judges came and said, move it back to where it belongs and however much you are trying to steal. Injustice is going to be eradicated at that point. So when Jesus comes along and he says, ye have heard that it hath been said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. He was not destroying the law. He was destroying how the Pharisees had twisted the law. And he was destroying that twisting by teaching what God truly intended by the law. Ye have heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But when God said that, he was telling your national government that when a crime requires punishment, don't cross the line of justice. You can come up to this point and do not go further. But now the scribes and the Pharisees are saying, in your personal interactions. Wait, wait a second. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth was meant to establish national justice, not to help you enact personal vengeance. It was given to the, to the nation, but now the Pharisees and scribes are saying, in your personal interactions, whenever somebody does anything to, do, to, to harm you, you hit them back as hard as they've hit you. And what Jesus is saying, more so than Jesus was saying, you can come up to this line, justice allows you to come up to this line, more so than he was saying that, he was saying, don't go further. And saying don't cross this line is a lot different than go right up to the line. And that's how they had twisted it. When God said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, he was giving you a way to establish national justice, not a way to enact personal vengeance. That is not what God intended with the law. He was teaching that when punishment is required, think this. Think this. Godly justice makes it illegal to go further than what is fair. The Pharisees are saying, 
Eye for eye, tooth for tooth means that when harm is done to you, the law gives you every right to get revenge by going as far as the law will allow you to. Now, is that true? Is that true? Does the law allow eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Yes, it does. Maybe one can go that far without crossing the line. But Jesus said, my followers will exceed what the scribes and Pharisees do. They will ex and accept your righteousness exceeds what they do. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees may find their righteousness in obeying the letter of the law, but Jesus's followers will exceed that and discover the spirit of the law. The Pharisees may find their righteousness in obeying the law of Moses. Jesus's followers will find their righteousness in displaying the love of Christ, which is what God originally intended when he said eye for eye and tooth for tooth. The Pharisees say unto you, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I say unto you, resist not evil. So disband the police force. And when somebody breaks into your home, don't defend it. And when a nation invades yours, let them. And when somebody shoots at you, wide open. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus means. In fact, eye for eye and tooth for tooth was meant to combat those very crimes. We need the police force. And thieves need to be defended against. And national invasion should be repelled. And if somebody starts shooting at me, I'm shooting back. Amen. You will hear pow, 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 sounds of reloading. Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> so then what does Jesus mean by resist not evil? And that's your homework for the rest of the day, or for the rest of the week, okay? I guess the invitation is this. Guys, we've had fun tonight. Amen. Just by studying the scriptures. What does the Bible say? Can we just spend some time thanking the Lord for his word? Because you will be helped throughout the week. What does Jesus mean by resist not evil? He's going to give you three examples in the following verses. Study them out. What is he talking about? And how is resist not evil fulfilling eye for eye, tooth for tooth, based off of what we have learned today? And remember, you're trying to figure out the principle that he's teaching. Let blank be your blank. But for now, would somebody just take some time to say thank you to the Lord for his word and maybe commit to studying it just a little bit more, one with another. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.